This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. Hey, this is Joy94.9 and you're listening to Technogaze, where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets, technology and anything else that goes beep in the night. I'm Michael <laughs> and in the studio we've got Raina, fresh from the World Cup. Hello. Fresh from my couch, you mean? <laughs> God, I wish I was in Brazil. I mean, I love being here, but Brazil. Brazil would be good, wouldn't it? Yes. And in a uh, Freaky Friday swap, we've got Mark steering the boat this week. How are you? Good morning. Good afternoon. (laughs) It is the afternoon. It is. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us at any time during today's show, you can uh, SMS us directly to the studio on 0427JOY949, send an old-fashioned email on air at joy.org.au, or uh, leave a message on the phone to Mushin by dialing 1300JOY949. That's right. So, lots of ways to get in touch. Indeed. So, this week, or today's show, we've got um, some news, including Iran's move to make it illegal to access Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, after about oh, four years of making uh, having a ban on Facebook, it's now illegal to use. Drones have been caught spying at the World Cup, Ooh. and I think Rain is going to report on that, being our local World Cup representative. <laughs> Such an unofficial, unofficial, unofficial from her couch. sports <laughs> dork. <laughs> and uh, Melbourne City Loop is finally getting mobile phone and <gasps> data coverage. Wow! Well, oh my god! I, I, I don't know about finally, right? Like we've been talking about it for a very long time, on and off, haven't we? Right? We have, but I believe it's happening. It it, it might actually. Result in some coverage yeah. in the city loop at some stage very soon, as opposed to we're finally talking about it. Yes. Which is good. <laughs> exactly. What else is on the list? Well, a little bit later on, we're going to talk about the latest push from the new government to stop us pirates, because George Brandis has labelled Australians as the worst offenders in the world. <gasps> mm. You're very naughty, Australia. Yeah. Very naughty. And uh, the tech heavyweights of this world, companies like Oracle, Microsoft and Apple, argue that legislating against unfair pricing for Australians is bad for their business. This is sounding like something from The Onion, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's real. Uh, YouTube's in the news, causing a storm with upcoming changes to the site that looks set to exclude artists that won't pay them. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be bringing you up to date on the Amazon Fire, as uh, Shannon spoke about. That's right. And this is the most exciting bit. Dutch scientists may be the ones that will finally allow us to say, beam me up, Scotty. My goodness. I've always wanted to say that. So, is there like a, a Dutch equivalent of Scotty? There's got to be a Dutch sort Jan. of name that is it'd a be, bit... It would be Jan. Yeah. Go, yeah. Beam me go. up, Jan. Is, is Dutch Jordi Jordi Bork Bork? That's that <laughs> that's sort of, sweet, the Swedish that's chef, chef no, isn't sorry. it? 
I'm, I'm not very <laughs> the across the... Beam me up, Scotty. Bring me some cheese and chocolate. <laughs> no, beam me down cheese and chocolate. That's right. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. I want to reach into my 3D TV and pull it out. We we could talk about 3D printing all day today. <laughs> we could. But we won't. But we, we won't. Because <laughs> I Mark's got his fingers on the thing on that the... has your microphone. <laughs> exactly. Hey, this is feeling just like Iran. You know, you guys have banned 3D printing and Iran, not only have they banned Facebook, but they're now making it illegal to We've use it. so not banned 3D printing. Well, you are the benevolent di- dictator of the team, I have to say, Michael. You are ruining my segue. Can oh, we get on to Iran, crap. please? All right. Yes. No, Iran. Yes. <laughs> Serious business, guys. Right. Serious business. Because is, this is actually pretty awful. It is. Yeah. So it's it's been, um, you know... And you, if you were in Iran, you have been unable to access Facebook via the, your normal ISP because it's been shut down since 2009. But now they're taking it one step further. So that if you get caught using it via, um, you know, using an out-of-country ISP or using a proxy server, then bad things are going to happen to you. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this is, this is obviously pretty awful because, you know, there are, there are Iranians who are relying on Facebook to keep in touch with family mm. and stuff. Um, it, it, it is a bit of a difficult time there, obviously. So any way that any family member can get a hold of, of people is a good thing, That's I right. think. Um, but there's even even though it wasn't really banned worrying. beforehand, there's been a recent case where eight um, Iranians were sentenced to between eight and 20 years in prison for posting something on Facebook that uh, the local mullahs didn't like. Hmm. So free speech isn't exactly alive and well there and it's just taken another hit. Precisely the opposite, in fact, I would say. It's, it's almost... You know, to to actually say that Facebook—it's just a website after all—is mm. illegal. That's that's like taking it to a whole new level. Like, and and it kind of goes against the whole thing, right? Now, like, it's just a tool. Facebook is just a tool that enables communication. So by saying that Facebook is illegal, it's like saying a hammer is illegal to use because it builds bad. I don't know. Buildings or something. Yeah. Yeah, but this is saying that you are not allowed to engage in free speech. You're not allowed to publicise your thoughts. Mm. um, And we're going to enforce it as much as we can. Well, and to access pages as well. So there's there's a woman in prison at the moment and uh, she's been there for a little while now and uh, her name's Roya Nabat. And she's she's in prison right now. She's she's actually a UK resident, by the way. Hmm. She's visiting Iran. She's in prison right now. For accessing Facebook. Just for accessing. For for getting on a page that the regime doesn't like. Hmm. Yeah. It's a real concern. It's incredibly worrying. And, I mean, it's not just all oh, Facebook generally, but it's very special things in particular. They don't want you accessing Facebook because Facebook doesn't let them control information about... That's right. You know, and it, and, it, and it's one of these activities that uh, totalitarian governments seem to employ to uh, shut down people trying to, you know gang up against them and say, hey, this isn't fair. Well, it's, it's, I don't think it's really about that, though. It's, I mean, it's not about, oh, they're worried that people are going to gang up against them. It's it's about just being authoritarian. Like, it's there's, it's about people being wanting control and just using every sort of possible mechanism to achieve that. But the reason for the control, I think, is that if you get people who engage in free, in free um, talk and thought mm. and you get enough of these people doing it, then you're going to get this dissent on a large scale, yeah. which is then going to be... So, yeah, there is already a the lot of dissent mm. on the boil in Iran. Mm. This is just one of many, many yep. things that this regime is doing to yep. squash that specifically. I mean, they the... The regime in particular is, is very restrictive anyhow, mm, mm. Um, I, I guess by, by Western standards, but in terms of um, the way they treat free speech, and especially after the, uh, the elections um, 
2009, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just been pretty awful. Mm. So, um, it's a, look, what can you say? It's a pity that it's moved into into the technology space so that, that technology is now being used to effectively oppress things as well. Like, yep. you know, there was this golden age back in the 90s of and the early 2000s of the internet will bring democracy to everyone and, and enable, mm. you know, freedom of everything. And suddenly, you know, it's actually kind of flipping the other way now. It's almost like the pendulum, for want of a better analogy, is swinging back the other way. And, and, and governments are realising how they can use technology to actually start oppressing people. And that's, that's a real concern. We saw with the Arab Spring mm. um, a great deal of use of, of social media. Yeah. And I think they know that if they allow that to run rampant in their own area, yeah. that that's that's what's going to happen with yeah. them as well. Yeah. Mm. The, certainly the golden age or the wedding, the honeymoon period of, of the internet is well and truly over mm. in, all, in all countries. Yeah. Because like you said, it's, you know, they're tools to, to spy and to gather information. Yeah. Mm. And, and governments are realising the benefit of that. Mm. And one could argue as well that the US are the main, one of the main pushers of the technology that will enable this, right? Like the, the stuff that they're doing with the NSA and so mm. forth, the tools that are reportedly available to um, these government agencies are pretty sophisticated items. You know, they're surreptitiously, surreptitiously inserting extra hardware into stuff as it's being yeah. sent out. The free yeah. router upgrade. Yeah. And I don't remember if we ever managed to get to talk about this on the show, but it came out a couple of months ago that the CIA made their own version of Twitter to put into Cuba. Yes. Like, this, is, it, this isn't even just, oh, that's nice to have a router. This is we're going to manufacture an entire social network to allow Cuban dissidents yeah. mm. to, to do stuff for our benefit, says yeah, the right. CIA. Um, of course, they themselves are now on Twitter with their silly jokes, so... <laughs> Um, just to show their sense of humour. Their, their version of Twitter didn't work so well, so they've just gotten themselves onto the real one instead, right? <laughs> Come right. use our Twitter, it's better. <laughs> yes. Now, City Loop. Ah. Oh. Finally, oh. we oh believe. Goodness. Every morning my commute involves getting into the City Loop and it's like everything goes dark. Sometimes yes. even the train goes dark because not all the lights are on too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like an exciting environment to be in. Squashing a, a uh, train cab with lots of people in the dark. Mm-hmm. I like the bit where it stops in the tunnel and they don't tell you why, and you can just sit there with your lights on and no movement for ten minutes. That's really cool. Mm. Um, we had a text in uh, about the Facebook uh, and an Iran issue just now um, by an anonymous person. Um, oh no, no, it's wait, Matt. Matt, sorry. Um, thank you, Matt, from Doncaster, um, uh, making the point that perhaps Facebook Facebook will be replaced by something else. Well, Iran, uh, not Iran, China has got their own equivalent of Facebook that the local uh, residents use because they also have trouble accessing Facebook because mm. it's been cut off. But the uh, Chinese government actively removed posts that they don't yes. like from it. <laughs> it is so, a version of Facebook in an, in China that has actually yes. got all the hooks that the Chinese and, and government And in need. fact, if I was in Iran, I'd probably be scared of posting anything on a local um server anyway because there would be a good chance that they'd know who exactly I am and they'd yeah. know, come and get you in the middle of the night. Look, Iran itself, um, they do a lot of internet censorship. It It isn't completely out of the question that they would invent their own Facebook, but it is equally likely, Matt, in Doncaster, that maybe they won't because they don't want people to communicate and they don't want to make it easy mm. for people to communicate. Yep. With that said, if they are smart about it, and maybe they won't be, I don't know, um, they may also be... Um, you know, keeping an eye on whether or not people are generating that sort of thing. That's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. amazing. It's um, 14 minutes past midday here on Techno Gaze on Joy 94.9. 
Technogaze. Into Technogaze on Joy 94.9. And we're going to continue with our City Loop story that we got sidetracked on. <laughs> so, yeah, we were talking about that before. Um, look, people have been talking about putting coverage in the City Loop mm. for years. Mm. As years in mobile coverage, years. right? As so, in mobile yeah. coverage. Yep. I personally would be happy just to be able to sit. I mean, uh, the Loop itself. Right? Okay, I, I work and live north of the city, so I don't always have to go in the City Loop. Although, often if I'm in the city after work, mm. I'll use it to get home. I would just like to be able to browse the internet for the 20 to 25 minutes it takes me to get on a silly train yeah. at you know Melbourne Central no, or something yeah, I yeah. mean it, and, and just there the is coverage in the tunnels there it? is coverage in the stations but it's a bit haphazard and it depends on who you're with and, and it also depends how long it takes for your phone to actually acquire the signal and so on I actually so, so coming from the southeastern suburbs there's a Part of the so we're talking in the Caulfield group of uh, train lines. That's um, anywhere that goes through Caulfield Station from Caulfield into South Yarra is uh, essentially a black uh, black spot as well. Mm. Oh, and okay. you'd think that that area, you know, being Armadale, um, Hawkesburn, all those quite well-to-do yeah. sort of young hip happening mm. suburbs, there would be <laughs> a need to um, have to provide internet access there. Yeah. But it, I, I think it's got something to do with the, the, the train line actually mean, being in oh, a, a cutting, as yeah. in down below the ground. Right. So perhaps that's got, uh, that causes some issues with, with coverage. But uh, I just think in general, like our public transport system should be better at coverage than what it is. Yeah. Um, I understand there's challenges in getting a thousand different mobile devices all in a very concentrated area that moves along at 80 kilometres yes. an hour uh, in a tin box, mind you. Like it's it's not you know it's a metal um, yeah. carriage. Um, there are challenges there, but surely these challenges have been um, sort of looked at in other. Yeah. Uh, jurisdictions at yes. least. Now it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, whether or not you'd think that people wouldn't realise that we really need this and stuff. Right, right. It, it honestly, with the story, it reads as though it's not even about what people actually want. It's that they themselves wanted a digital communication system, and it just so happens that <laughs> that <laughs> the nice byproduct is that maybe some of us poor consumers can use it too. Mm. So we're piggybacking Grown. onto that, right? Which might actually explain why it's taking so long to actually get there. Because if it was just a matter of you know the the three big carriers or whatever, yeah. throwing up you know towers or, or transmitters or whatever it is, then that would be fine. But if they need to actually spec out a whole big thing mm. Um, mm. that is suitable for everybody to communicate, then. Yeah, yeah. I, I suspect the the, the digital um, communication system that they're implementing is based on very similar technology to what you use for a mobile phone anyway. Well, it like, makes sense, right? There's there's no shortage of mobile phone technology around to make use of if you're mm, going to build. Exactly, you know, and it's well proven. I guess they'd be very short towers in the tunnel, wouldn't they? Uh, <laughs> now, talking about World Cup again, drones have been uh, causing a bit of a scandal there <laughs> because they've yes. been accused of spying. That's right. So, um, you know, the, the World Cup is kind of a big deal and practising your strategy and all the rest of it is also kind of a big deal and that's why even the press don't get to go into training sessions and report on what's going on. They just um, get locked out. But uh, the story is that the French national soccer team who was uh, having a bit of a bit of a, a session in training grounds, a bit of, a bit of kick to kick or whatever, um, reckon they saw a drone hanging around over the uh, over the stadium checking out what was going on. and uh, Hovering with intent. Hovering with intent to, to take down their players or whatever, I don't know. Um, Actually, I wonder if that's going to be a, a new form of uh, crime, hovering with intent. That's like right. Like loitering with intent. Now, the... the 
rumour or, or whatever it is that's been kicking around is that it, it actually is just a, an enthusiastic fan who just wanted to see what was going on. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, it's it's obviously football is serious business. Mm. Um, you know, it's it, we kind of kid around, but it really is, you know, such an enormous big deal. And, um, you know, if there are teams employing that sort of dodgy drone warfare against mm. each other, um, that would actually be a pretty big deal. It, it's not very sporting. Hopefully we're talking about the type of drone that doesn't have a missile or anything and installed. It's simply just a, just a, uh, a monitoring system. Yes. Now, drones, of course, uh, you know, can invade your privacy with their cameras, but I'm just waiting for the time when they have some very directional and good microphones. That's mm, right. To pick up on some voices. Text. So, now, we do have a message from Trish, and she said, uh, put Wi-Fi in trains that works in other countries. Yes. But she also pointed out that in the London Underground, there's no uh, mobile coverage, which, yeah. Yeah, although if there is some sort of internet connection that it isn't dependent on mobile coverage and you have Wi-Fi, then no bigs, right? Mm. I mean, I would like to be able to make calls at my convenience. But equally, I kind of like, you know, having that excuse of, oh, oh, sorry, no, I've got to go. No, I've got to go. City loop. Bye. Hanging up. And I, <laughs> I could be world. in front of <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, think, but your Facebook tracking will tell you where you are, tell your friends where you are. That's right. There are challenges, though, with um, installing Wi-Fi on trains, right? Like the maintenance of that would be pretty phenomenal. If every single train on a system had to have uh, a Wi-Fi sort of system that, that a how would it communicate with the rest of the world? Yeah. And, like, and then you're, put, you're putting the maintenance of that onto the train carrier rather than onto the phone carrier. Yeah. Well, that's or, kind or of... physically positioned somewhere as opposed to being part mm. of their maintenance program. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the interesting question as well in a, in a sort of privatised system like we have. We have a private train operator running on public infrastructure. You know, there's... Yep. Every time you put government and private industry together, like if you think government takes a long time and you chuck private industry into the mix, you get twice as long. Mm. I reckon. There'd be lots of ads. <laughs> they sure would. Oh, jeez. Now, now, I wish I could do a pirate voice. Ah, meows. Because that's what George Brandis thinks that we are. And a lot of this has come about because of the popularity of Game of Thrones. Mm. It, well, it is kind of the benchmark for who's pirating what. Yes. No one wants to miss out on that. I, I have, on purpose. I, I have not watched it. You haven't seen I any episodes. have to exclude myself from every conversation that occurs, like, on a Monday, on a Tuesday morning, I should say. I uh, stopped halfway through the uh, first episode and haven't gone beyond that. So, so I haven't been caught up in the fever. Yes. No, so it, yep. it of course, is, is highlighting the um, the concern, or it, it's, it kind of dovetails with what our Attorney General, uh, what's his face? Um Mr. George, George Brandis, Brandis mm, Senator George Brandis, um, is uh, is looking at a New Zealand-style three strikes rule um, implementation here in in Australia. So, um, looking at implementing a hey, you're you're downloading lots of pirated stuff. Um, here's your first, first warning, warning. Here's yeah. your second warning, third warning. Oh, now you're going to be fined, or your internet connection is going to be removed, for or life. whatever. Yeah, and that's that's pretty, you know, for and, life. And, and that model is used in other countries. I think France has, has got a similar model, mm. Mm. and so on. But this seems to happen every time we have a new government, whether it be a Labor government or a Liberal government. There's oh. something that pops up that says, "Oh, we're not going even, to block access to these sites. We're going to do this. Yeah. We're going to do and that." And it's not even that infrequent. It keeps coming up. It's um, Look, a couple of the ISPs, uh, including Ionet, they actually um, were prominent for um, their piracy-related court cases and stuff mm. like that. So they do a lot, quite a lot of reporting on it as well. Um, 
and they've been, you know, they, they're really interested in obviously fighting um, that. It, it just seems really... Um, what am I trying to say? It seems really just up in the air again. It's like, oh, the same old, same old, same yeah. old. And people are downloading Game of Thrones. And next year it'll be, you know, um, True Detective or whatever. Like, yeah, and there's a, but there's a whole bunch of things that are going on, I guess. There's a free trade agreement apparently being uh, negotiated with, with the US at the moment or yes. sort of bubbling away, but it's being done in a secret manner. Um, I think George Brandis's name is all over it. In terms of what it's we're commercial, negotiating with, commercial yeah. and confidence. Oh. It's not secret. Commercial mm. and confidence. Yeah. Oh, excuse um, me. You know, our, our government is commercial now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what choice? It's uh, commercial confidence. Yes. Choice. The the consumer advocacy group mm. uh, with Choice Magazine mm. has all those cool reviews and stuff in it. Um, their spokesperson actually came out and said, "You know what, Foxtel, this is all your own doing." Mm. So they, rather than going anything to the AG or anything like that, they said, you know who we're going to point the finger at? We are going to point the finger at that company and the company that we're pointing the finger at is Foxtel. Yeah. And it, it uh, this is on the 7.30 report. And, uh, you know, she's saying how unfair it is that if you do want to do it legitimately, you have to buy some sort of Foxtel plan that requires that you yeah. buy, it's along with the one show that you want to watch, um, 55 series of Deadliest Catch or whatever. Like, yeah. I, I like a bit of Deadliest Catch, but <laughs> I don't like all the Deadliest Catch. There's, there's seriously, the, I, I swear there's a station on there that only has and it's the issue <laughs> those of, sorts of shows, you know. It's the issue of monopolies, right? Like, there are, you know, if, if something is a monopoly, there are, there are um, ways that the government can assist the citizens to to make it you know fair and equitable but the fact is foxtel is a monopoly right now that's right on this particular thing it's such a small component of, of the bigger picture but it's such an you know if, if legislation is being um introduced to you know address this small mm. issue then maybe something else on the other side should be looked at as well you know possibly the and and, and this has already been looked at in, in committees in um in the parliament around price gouging and mm. uh, companies actually like Apple and so forth, you know, increasing prices for an Australian market just because... They can. For, yeah, for no other reason. Um, it, it When it's a monopoly, though, in this case, then it's... It's going to compete with it. But it, it's, it's more of a, a bigger issue. It's, you know, we, we commercially in terms of a distribution of music and film, TV and so on, we're operating on principles that were devised, you know, literally 100 years ago where you would appoint a geographic distributor and you would be licensed to distribute this product in this area. Yes. Now, those geographic boundaries have disappeared with technology, but our business models haven't changed. Mm. Yeah. And we're being forced, you know, like you said, Raina, to get a whole package of stuff that we don't want mm. just to get the one thing that we want and we should be encouraging these companies to just sell us what we want at a fair and reasonable price yeah, and if we do the that thing. then we won't pirate it. They do want to change the models but they don't want to change the models we want to change the models. They <laughs> want to change the models in a way that means that they can just keep on price gouging Yeah, yeah. and that's that's a problem and it's not just this. I mean we've, we've got on our list although I'm not, hopefully we can get to it um, that you know there is some price, price gouging going on with you know software and stuff mm. as well that all these companies just want to do that because reasons I don't know what the reasons are I guess it costs a lot to ship bits over the Pacific um, as consumers what can we do I mean mm. well, the, you know, some people actually see piracy as, as a suitable middle finger yes. but I'm not sure that, that necessarily is the only thing that you can do well, this is, in some ways, piracy is a form of peaceful protest. I, I actually have a problem with it being called piracy in the first place. True. But, um, you know, it's obtaining things it's in, a, in a way that isn't 
Yeah. Uh, it doesn't fulfill the copyright obligations of the person, but it's not about piracy. Piracy is is when uh, you go out to a physical location out in the middle of nowhere in a jurisdiction that is not governed and by take physical stuff. force. Yes. You know, yep. yeah, it is very emotive and it's a very loaded word that's been used on purpose. Yeah. Mm. I guess I guess what I find challenging about the idea that it's it's a peaceful form of protest to to download and not pay, which mm. I'll, I'll now not call piracy then. Um, <laughs> but to, to download that um, without going to Foxtel and stuff is completely indistinguishable from somebody who is just a freeloader and doesn't care. Yeah, true. So I, I, my inclination would be to um, do the old-fashioned thing, get on the letter-writing campaign, get on Malcolm Turnbull, get on uh, Scott Ludlam, he'll back us, mm. um, I think, <laughs> um, and, of course, the Attorney-General himself. And there are plenty of ways to get in touch with your uh, your parliament representatives and by all means do so. Yeah. Matt, uh, Matt from Doncaster messaged in again, making the point that maybe Netflix uh, would have pirating. And it, it makes a good point, you know, it, it, it to introduce another uh, force in the market That's right. uh, to enable us to do what we want to do in a legitimate way might actually help... Yeah, look, competition is good, but Netflix is still the same model. I have a basket of goods. You can get access to all of those goods for this price, lower Mm. price, albeit, than, let's say, Foxhole, which is good. But it's still, you can only get access to these goods. And if you want another show that we don't have, well, then, sorry, you... You've got to sign up for some other thing that does have it. Then you're looking at the iTunes model, which is, you know, uh, paying per episode or, you know, paying a higher price per episode. And and in actual fact, the price is quite a lot dearer, you know, for a full uh, season of, of shows, you can pay up to sixty bucks or something, yeah. right? Which, I mean, that's two months worth of of, of a uh, Foxtel subscription, yeah. I suspect, or maybe one. I'm not that's sure. right. Look, it's coming up to twenty nine minutes past midday. We, uh, I'd like to continue this discussion and talk about uh, price gouging with software, and uh, we shall do so in a few seconds. It's 28 minutes to one, and we have Mark Rayner and myself, Michael and Stuart, and of course, you are listening to Technogaze. Technogaze! Doing my best to steer the boat here. <laughs> In choppy, yes. choppy, pirate-infested waters. <laughs> a- a- any uh, icebergs on the horizon, or are they just under us? Oh, uh, well, I can't see any. <laughs> Maybe I'm not <laughs> high enough. I don't feel Speaking very of, reassured. Did, did you get the sense there was a bit of a draft in here during the uh, the news update and the weather broadcast? There was this weird sort of... <laughs> <laughs> was there? I never noticed. I, I'm sure you would never have uh, confessed to that. Exactly. Now, um, of course, if anybody wants to get in touch with us during the show, you can email us on air at joy.org.au yes. or SMS 0427-JOY949. Many as, of your compadres have done so today. As had Peter. And uh, Peter said that he used to work for German Rail. He had Wi-Fi and mobile coverage in a metal box traveling at 300k. Mm. And um, he is um, returning, as, as he's returned to Australia, he's not very, um, I guess, comfortable with the way that our tracks have been upkept. And yes. he feels that there's probably little incentive for our train operators to provide Wi-Fi. Well, and this is the thing, right? So the train operators aren't necessarily really, um, you know, invested in ensuring that the the passengers have internet. Like, they don't care, you know. They're, they're just about well, getting the trains running. Maybe some that. of them don't care, although you can do it on V-Line. Oh, yeah. Or you're going to be able to do it on V-Line, so, apparently. It's yeah. a plan. Yeah. And, and, and maybe for longer trips where you are travelling from between city to city, that's appropriate to have Wi-Fi, especially out in the bush where you don't have mobile coverage. Yeah, look, if I lived in Geelong or something, I would love to be able to spend that hour or so doing mm. a bit of work beforehand so that I could get to work at, say, 10 or something instead of having to get up at 6 to be there by 9 or whatever. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. 
We touched briefly before about uh, price gouging on software, mm-hmm. and um, there's been some discussion lately about it, and apparently that a um, the gang of large software providers are making a bit of a submission to the government. Ah, uh, because their feelings are hurt, because the government has said, we don't want you to price gouge our citizens. And these companies are saying, but why? We can't make any money if we don't do that. That's right. Um, so they they feel that uh, if, if the government legislates to protect us from silly price gouging that these companies will attempt to take their business elsewhere. Mm. Uh, out of Australia, really? Out of Australia. Really? And things like, I'd be tempted to say, <laughs> we don't need you, scum. But these are <laughs> these are big people. These are Apple, Microsoft, mm. Oracle. Um, Telstra is, is obviously not going to leave the country in a hurry, I should think, but they are part of this group. Intel's part of this group, HP, IBM, etc. So, kind of a big deal. Yeah, but yeah. Is that, are they just trying to call a bluff, right? It's like, got to be an ambit, surely. It's a yeah. bit of an ambit claim. Mm. It's, oh, we're not going to stay. Yeah, come on. I guess for normal users of software, with, let's say you're a Microsoft user, it doesn't, you, it doesn't affect you whether Microsoft is in the country or not. As long as I can buy the software, mm. it works. Where, you, where representation of the company locally is important is when they're actually dealing with businesses. You know, because businesses often build their own products or utilize their products to help build their products on some of this software. And they need to have local representation. They need to get support locally. They need to understand what's happening with new releases and things like that. That's right. But they need that support anywhere. They need that support in the US, just as they need it in Australia, just as they need it in the UK, etc. I don't see why the cost of providing local support and local representation is so astronomical that you should pay twice as much for, say, Creative Cloud or whatever. Mm. I don't know. Actually, I don't even know what the pricing for that particular product is anymore but that was that was always the classic example Mm. right you could spend i think it was a thousand dollars for all of the adobe products in one bundle you come to australia even with the exchange rate it was it was easier to go to the u.s purchase a box bring it back on the plane and you would have change from from (laughs) From what you might have right yeah yeah and you you'd know, get a holiday into the mix, my goodness. This, you know, this does highlight the fact that the price of a product, the marketing price of a product, has nothing to do with the cost of manufacture. And it's not just software, it's every product out there. Hmm. That, yes, we will price it, to obviously, to cover our fixed costs and our variable costs, but the actual price that we sell to the consumer is based on what the market is prepared to buy, yep. pre- prepared to pay. pay yep. And this becomes so much more evident and so much more transparent where we have the internet and you can see exactly how much people pay in the US, in Europe, and so on, mm-hmm. and then you notice the disparity yeah yes and uh, of course there is the other uh, variable of the um you know the uh, the exchange rates hmm. um the u.s dollar and the australian dollar is in particular an, an interesting example where sometimes we kind of think that it's actually going to uh, go down in price in you know australian dollar sense yeah and, and sure but here's the thing parity. i don't mind i mean for example steam okay right. the the game delivery platform so i have a steam account um you know, I was I was checking out some games last night, thinking about buying them because they've got their summer sale on. Oh my goodness! Mm. Um, g- goodbye paycheck for the week. And <laughs> but it, it's amazing. It's I don't mind seeing a thing that says this is you know US dollars pricing, and then even just a little quick conversion that says you know this is the straight up conversion mm. in Australian dollars. It, you can mm. sort of play that little game of you know oh will the dollar go up or down this week? I don't know. Yeah. But honestly, it's I I don't, I don't I, think it's so hard for people to. I, I know that that might work that. for for that. 
uh, for Steam, but there are other companies that are very much about their price points and very much about you know making making it very clear that this um, a, a standard track on iTunes, for example, is a certain price and a predictable um, price. A predictable yeah. price yeah. that doesn't change every but, five minutes. And there's there's some element of that, but I, I I don't think that justifies the huge markup that they actually include. And the thing is, if they were just charging the same US price at the exchange rate, it's still pretty predictable. Like, the, the excuse that a lot of these companies do is like, oh, but we don't know how much money we'll get from Australia. Yes, you do. It's always the same amount. It's it's our exchange rate that's the problem. Well, yeah, that's yeah. right. And look, and the other thing, you know, to be fair to um, these vendors, in the US when they advertise the price, it is without local sales tax. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, of course, we include GST. That that is true. Although mm. that's still, again, uh, something that stays here. It doesn't really go to the. No, but, it no, no, but when, you, but when you're comparing prices and you see, oh, sure. it's one dollar in the US, well, no, it's one dollar oh, yeah. six or a dollar ten. I know, but really. I think most of us here know how to do that. Hey, speaking of government, though. Yeah. Um, so here was an interesting bit of news: is that you know Delimiter, uh, which is a website that has a lot of interesting tech analysis, right? And Renee LeMay, who is or Renee, mm. Renee? Mm. I've never actually met the fella. Um, great admirer of the work. Um, is going to Canberra, throwing in the towel on that website to go and work for Senator Scott Ludlam, oh. hero of the nation. Yes. <laughs> Was that a tongue poking through your cheek? No, 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 no. no, no, no. He, remember, he gave that great big speech that said, we want our country back. I love that speech. Mm. It's pretty great. But um, uh, Scott Ludlam, he's uh, a Green Senator. He obviously cares a lot about technology and stuff yep. like that. And uh, to have somebody who is relatively clearly to become his advisor is pretty sweet. Mm. In fact, uh, he loves technology so much. He's He's got a very long time with the Greens, but he's a spokesperson for broadband communication and the digital economy, plus a whole bunch of other things as well. Housing, <laughs> transport, everything. everything. To be fair, there's not that many Greens in Parliament, so they kind of have to take on a lot of jobs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> heavy workload. That's right. But um, he's, he's kicking a lot of goals there. And uh, Scott Ludlam is, is actually a great um, proponent of um, not allowing these companies to bend us over a barrel for uh, for things or, you know, to, mm. to necessarily accept every part of that free trade agreement as well. Mm. Yes. And I guess it's another reason why it's good to have some diversity in our parliament so that uh, there are people there to represent us and to speak out over these type of issues. That's right. That's right. Now, perhaps a sign of, you know, where we might head if we took on more of US-style um, approach to media consumption mm. and uh, the likes of YouTube, of course, is, is a big Yeah, big this is huge news this week. Mm. Um, they've been talking about introducing a new music subscription service so mm. that you can just use YouTube to look up the music that you're interested in and stuff like that. But uh, a bunch of independent artists who don't want to sign up may be getting excluded in some of the most horrible ways. That's right. Mm. It's uh, not the best. But how about we come back and we talk about that in more detail very, very shortly here on Technogaze Joy 94.9. Technogaze. Melbourne's lovable radio station, Joy 94.9. 18 minutes to one with Mark, Rayner and Michael in the studio. And we just touched on some changes to YouTube. That's right. And it's kind of getting a bit chewy there. So um, some of these independent artists um, who make quite a lot of use of YouTube to get big... Mm. Um, are possibly going to be excluded in in a few really important ways from the YouTube uh, music service that is going to be coming up. Now that's it's a bit of a worry. Now YouTube are changing the way that they do music, and they're partnering with a whole lot of, I guess, record labels and artists to uh, promote music on a on a pay basis, aren't they? Yeah. So. Um, and that if you don't pay up as part of that, then you don't get 
you don't get to you don't get to enjoy yeah. delicious revenue from this service, which I'm sure will be pushed most wholeheartedly all over YouTube and also mm. all over Google's uh, famous m- mobile platforms. So, look, if basically YouTube is saying if you don't agree to be on it, um, you won't be on it. But they're also saying, well, you know, we don't want to jeopardize. Hmm. This, this is being heavily implied anyway. No one's really sure what's going on yet. Um, it's being heavily implied that not only will we not want you to be part of the music service if you don't want to agree, yeah. which is fair enough, they are not going to necessarily allow people to listen to music that's not on their music service because why would you let people listen to music for free when you want to shove them onto your paid service? Well, when, when you have a paid service, if you've got a competing free service, you don't want to have that competition there. That's exactly right. And remember, when we're talking about indie artists, we're not just talking about some dude in his in his um, bedroom with his guitar. Mm. Of course, that is an important thing to to cherish and nourish but we're talking about people like jack white mm-hmm. and and we're talking about you know Pretty other people names, who are not right? signed to you know emi whatever I, I read something that um revenue from indie artists and total music industry is something like 36 percent mm. wow so yeah. it's, it's not you know it's not insignificant um, you know google's issue here is they've had a free service and now they're changing the model for, from free to a paid service. Isn't and, it interesting, and actually? And that's causing a lot of... Actually, yeah, it sounds a little bit like news of the world and so on uh, doing well, that. It used to be, there used to be a time when Google would be fighting for you know, consumers to be able to do what they want I with their video. I think those years, long gone. Yeah, they're long very gone. much now as part of the big, big media. Google when has think about only it. ever fought for people, especially since they picked up YouTube, which was a few years ago now. Um, Google has only ever fought for people to want to do cool things with their music when they have seen an opportunity run a whole bunch of ads on top of it. Mm-hmm. And this paid thing means, you know, that they'll either have to smash ads all over it yep. um, or more of them, which is going to put people off perhaps or whatever. And I don't know. To me, this is a real interesting exercise in setting expectations and then not meeting them and, in fact, breaking them. So when Google first started, it was like, you know, whatever's good for the internet is good for us. We're happy with that. You know, we believe in freedom and open and everything else. Mm. And so a whole lot of people, yes, we're on board with this. And then as they've become more commercial and they've changed their tune a bit, it's like you suddenly feel worse than if they would have started off saying, oh, we're just in it for the money in the commercial side because there's almost this little promise that they've had between you and them that's now been broken. Yeah. Mm. Now, it's possibly not all bad in that um, there are things like Vivo, so I don't know if you've ever looked at uh, at YouTube for, for tunes. I know I do it all the time. Um, so Vivo is a is a company mm. that does use YouTube as a platform but is actually separate and they do have their own agreements with those artists and stuff. So it's possibly not all doom and gloom, but it's still pretty uh, pretty distasteful, I've got to say. Hmm. Yes, that's right. Now, earlier on this week, I had an instant message from a friend that said, did you hear about Amazon Fire? And I, my reply was, the jungle or the warehouse? <laughs> but, uh, but it turns out to be neither because Amazon have released a new phone yeah. called the Fire. It is the the fire. The fire. Like the operating system that is on the Kindle Fire, but it is not a Kindle at all. It's just a phone. Yes. And it's um it's sort of it's like a fork of Android, but it isn't Android. No, that's right. Which is the same um kin, uh, the Amazon previously had the Kindle Fire, which is also a fork of Android sure, sure. as well. But one of this one of the features of the phone is other three D features that come with it. And I, I don't know if you remember the you know you'd get uh, the plastic covered cards that had the two images that you'd rotate one. 
lenticular cards, though. So what are they called? Lenticular. Lenticular cards. Lenticular. Well, I saw a video about this, and it was like a lenticular phone where you had... Yeah, that's right. You had the image of the moon at the front and the background that, uh, uh, behind it, and as you twisted it, the background would move, whereas the image on the front would... Hang on, yeah, hang it's, on. It's a little bit on. like how the, uh, the Nintendo 3DS screen works. Right. So you, if, you, if you're holding it in, a, in the right spot at the right angle, you will get a pretty decent... Thing. Is this anything to do with, like, is it anything like the Apple feature that has the background sort of, what is it? No, so that's it's a parallax feature. So mm. that um, that literally just uses, the like, it, it just it moves your, your wallpaper around a little bit and mm. keeps the icons mm. where they are so it looks like there's a bit of motion. Yeah. But uh, this is actually physically sort of, or not physically, but it's more of an optical illusion of sorts, right? Well, kind of, but it's also what they're going to use it for. So they're going to be able to use it for games. They're going to be able to use it so that you can take 3D images using the camera is built right into the phone, etc., etc., etc. There's there's that. Look, the other thing that's really exciting about it, or and also possibly a little bit terrifying, is I've got this thing that's called Firefly, and it's a button, mm-hmm. and it's actually the same as your camera button, interestingly enough, which I want to get back to because this is actually kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. The Firefly button, so it's like you're wandering around, and you're in a shop, and you're thinking, boy, I certainly do like the look of this book, which I'm certainly not going to buy here at this marked up price. I'll go to Amazon where it's cheaper. You just point your phone at it, you press the magic button, mm. and... Uh, kiss your money goodbye because that book is coming to you really soon. Oh. You can insta-buy. Really? That's that's brilliant. It's brilliant and also really scary if you have poor impulse control. Well, yes, true. Um, And it can also do things like uh, QR barcodes. Um, Firefly is not just the button, like it's the whole... um, process around it mm. so like you can say oh I'm, I'm enjoying this song that's playing on joy right now point your phone at the radio and it can do a, a similar thing to you know shazam or whatever yes. mm. hear the music and go yeah i'll purchase that song for you and and just um drop it all in there here's here's the thing that's creeping me out about it is that because all of that stuff is being stored in the cloud so everything that you are you know, and, and I mean, you, you have photos and images and um, um, audio and stuff like that as well. It's all tied into Amazon's beautiful ecosystem that it yes. wants to lock you into so it can have all your monies. Mm. Um, every time you transmit all those pictures and sounds and things like that, Amazon is building a picture of you, mm-hmm. a pretty amazing picture of you that isn't always about shopping intent. Ah, mm. so they're scanning the photos as well and looking for things. Well, they're if not, not part y- of. If not yet, maybe soon. They're not part of the Firefly thing, but mm. the Firefly thing where you're going, geez, I like the look of this, you know, I might add it to my wish list or whatever, yeah. and then you're taking photos. They are building a massive picture of you and where you go and what you do. Yes. And it's not clear um, with the information that they have given us what they are going to do with all that stuff and the ambient audio that comes along with, you know, all those Firefly hits that you're doing and GPS and all that great stuff. And, and I guess, you know, if they're the uh, manufacturer of the phone and the operating system, they also know where you are at any point in time, theoretically. Yeah. Now, there's a story in VentureBeat, which, which I thought had some really great examples, which I'll, I'll sort of touch on. So, um, do you take a lot of pictures of, of your kids, for example? Mm-hmm. Are they going to start pushing you ads for diapers? Yes. Are they going to do that? Have they recognised that it's a, mm. it's a child of a certain age? That's, That's right. right. Yeah. Or if you tag it as, you know, my family or whatever like that, then it's really obvious. You know, if there's mm. lots of pictures of you going out having, you know, having fun in the outdoors or whatever, are they going to start spruiking mm. mountain biking gear or, or, sorry, mountain hiking gear or whatever? If, or I'm, if I'm going to get a device in my pocket that enables this sort of sell, sell, sell opportunity, mm. I want it for free. I'm sorry. In fact, I'd almost want to, want to be paid for it, you know? Yeah. Like... 
give me give me some bucks and you and might have to commit to a minimum spend. Well, hey, it it works on credit cards and so yeah. forth. Yeah, I don't want, I don't necessarily want to sell my information that way. But you know what? You oh, know yeah. who gets it for free anyway? Is our pals over at the NSA? Maybe <laughs> I don't know who can say. Uh, Who can say? I mean, this has come out after Snowden fled the country, so I don't know if he'll be able to offer any insight. But um, just imagine, you know, in a year or two's time or whatever, oh, look, the NSA's been looking at all your pictures of your cats. After a sort of beautiful marketing tagline, NSA, my cloud partner of choice. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Not Amazon, though. No. Well, I I also was thinking, because I come up with these brilliant ideas, you know, Amazon is famous for their one-click buy. You know, when you go to the store, just press one click. Mm. As if they had an implant in my brain, it could be a a one-thought buy. Oh, I just thought about that, and boom, it's it's there. They will stop at nothing less, I'm sure. Well, I mean... You know, but it's it's that sort of you know magic convenient world that we all think about that that you know our our me- like measuring everything. So all these wearable technology, all these internet enabled fridges, all of these like Nest things and stuff like that, will mm. know so that we don't even have to think about whether or not we want to buy toilet paper because our household will already t- already told Amazon to send it to us. Mm. Yeah, my toilet would have said, "Tis run out." <laughs> Actually, my toilet will talk to me. You need more. <laughs> <laughs> It'll order up some Metamucil or something. Like and, I, and I think we've reached the point of the conversation yeah. where we should move on. <laughs> I think that is probably the I best crossed, advice of the day. I crossed that line, man. You set it up and I knocked it over. Yes. Speaking of the line, yes. Um, do we have time to talk about some cool technology at the World Cup? We can very quickly. Of very course, we, we have our resident World Cup um, it's really exciting. Fan girl. Can, can we can we put on the uh, sound effect that makes it sound like she's actually there with the crowds cheering in the background? Yeah. Uh, I've got this. How about this? That's not really... Uh, That's pretty... Cl- no, okay, I don't know go. about that. Oh, wait, um, technology in the okay, so the... <laughs> my goodness. So the World Cup, um, notoriously against things like uh, goal line technology and stuff. Mm. So we know if you're a fan of the tennis or whatever, especially the Australian Open, there's that cool thing called Hawkeye. Thank you for the applause. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um... There's this cool thing called Hawkeye that can tell uh, the match officials there whether or not the ball has gone out of the line, etc. The World Cup has this cool thing um, which is called goal control, which takes 3D images of the ball every two milliseconds as it enters the sort of sweet spot around the goal Mm -hmm. and it can tell you now whether the ball has crossed the line, which is what counts as a goal, um, or whether or not. And it sends a little message to the match official via the use of a smartwatch within a second. So it's not like, I don't know if you've ever been to the rugby or whatever and it's like the referee will go oh I need somebody to actually rewind the videotape and watch it again and you've got to wait and stuff this actually tells you within a second what the goal line technology thinks the call should be Mm. wow so it's really to help the uh, referee umpire to call it in or out that's right and and the first time it actually got a bit of a use um, it was actually kind of cool because the ball um failed to cross the line, bounced back, hit the goalkeeper and went back in. So it came up on the screen in the studio, yeah. uh, in the studio, in the stadium, um, to say not a goal. And, of course, everyone went wild. Mm. And it was like, is a goal? And I went, what? So yeah, I guess they're fine-tuning some now, of the broadcast Now, do you stuff. think that the push for the introduction of this technology was at all influenced by the fact that these 3D images can be used to go to people's TV sets? Look, partly. Um, a lot of them can be. But it was. I think it was more that there were some pretty controversial calls last right. year that, that some people were denied goals. That and I mean, because it's not just whether or not you win or lose or, mm. or draw or whatever um, that helps you advance through the World Cup tournament thing. It's also how many goals were scored against or for you that helped determine your standing. Yes. So even if, and, and I think it was, um, I think it might have been France, um, you know, even even if you, you were denied a couple of goals, 
you still won, but maybe that could have actually been the thing that got you over the line. Like, so yeah. hopefully this will be a lot fairer. Oh, well, it's the last bastion of technology, I guess. Oh, we'll see. Yes. Now, we're rapidly running out of time here, so uh, we will take a very, very short break, and we will be back. It's uh, Technogaze. Join 94.9. Technogaze. Joy. 94.9. And this is Technogaze with Mark, Rayner, and Michael on the final leg of our voyage today. Our, our five-year mission. Our five-year mission. <laughs> our ongoing mission, even. Our ongoing mission to explore the worlds. To, to seek out new life, etc. Dutch scientists have invented Go or, or unlocked some stuff to do with uh, teleportation. Yes, they've managed to uh, successfully transport something very small. It's an atom. An atom. That's as small as it gets, pretty much, yeah. without breaking it apart. Um, but they moved it, what, 10 metres away? That's or 10 feet 10 away. 10 feet, so yeah. 3 metres. This is still pretty good. And uh, with a 100% success rate the first time they tried it, which is even more amazing. Yes, so they actually managed to beam some information encoded into the, the particles. But, I mean, if, you, if you're if you a fan of Star Trek, mm. um, as, as I'm sure many of our listeners have, have, be, uh, have some familiarity with it, that's the idea of the transport of beam technology in the show, is that you're pretty much just encoding all this stuff as information, sending it over, and then reassembling it from local matter. Yes. Which is way cool. Um, especially if, if we can make that sort of stuff work, then uh, maybe we won't have to worry about Wi-Fi in the city loop anymore. We won't have to We won't have to worry about waiting for the postman to deliver our latest order because it'll just be beamed into our house. That's right. I am looking forward to that. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you've missed any part of the show or perhaps you're looking to peruse previous episodes, you can do so by browsing, browsing joy.org.au slash or by downloading the podcast from iTunes or Stitcher. Coming up next is a Joy News Bulletin with Shannon, followed by Cravings with Pete Dillon, who will have international super chefs Vikas Kana, Gabriel Gatte and Shane Delia <gasps> as guests. Wow. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Raina, thank you very much for being here this week. No, thank you. And Mark, thank you for avoiding icebergs. <laughs> I did my best. And pirates. <laughs> and pirates. pirates, and on the pirates. Have a go- great weekend, everyone, and we'll catch you next week. Techno Gaze on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.